Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. Well, here we are. It's a Friday. Praise the Lord. Got a question for you. At the end today on Life 101, we'll give you a long answer, but it's this. If you were to die today, this is it. You die today. What would family, friends, the church people say about you? Going to talk about a legacy. I thought about that this week when I missed a few steps going down into the basement of our home. What a trip that was. What if I would have broke my neck? I got to thinking, what would people think about me overall in my ministry, in the church, in evangelism, on the radio, television, all of that stuff? Something for you to think about because everyone has a legacy. As you hear today's program, think about that at the same time. A legacy. What is my legacy? What in the world is going on? Well, let me tell you. Show me the numbers. The campaign for 2024's Republican presidential nomination has been going on for more than a year now, and the party's convention is still six months away, but as of Monday, the candidates will get their first chance to officially Secure some of the delegates who will eventually vote on the Republican nominee. In Iowa, Republican caucus voters are expected to brave Arctic cold weather, biting winds to gather about 1,670 designated sites across that state where they will caucus to determine which candidate secures the most votes and therefore those 40 available delegates. They will be choosing from among the front runner, that's uh, President Donald Trump, and a slate of challengers, including South Carolina, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was in the race until Wednesday when he announced his suspension, which he should have done, well, he should have never got in in the first place. But So what does this all mean? The Iowa caucuses are a storied element to U.S. presidential elections, traditionally presenting really an early test of candidates' organizational abilities and retail politicking skills and who's going to be the big deal. Though the state has not always chosen the eventual winner in either party's nomination, it serves to well show the field of candidates and often many drop out of the race between caucuses in the primary election in New Hampshire which traditionally followed soon afterward. The critical thing about Iowa, they say, is because it's first, it tends to frame the debate in the future. If you do well in Iowa, that gives you a leg up when you go into New Hampshire. If you do well in Iowa and New Hampshire, that's a lot of momentum. It's not foolproof. It doesn't mean you're the one, but it is a really big deal. So here it is, 96 hours before that first vote. Trump, 54%. Haley, 20%. DeSantis 13. Going to be record cold and hot for someone. So what's the score, Joe? The dark reality of Bidenomics is 16.6% inflation. Get it, 16.6. That's under this fake president's watch. When he took office, inflation was 1.4%. Inflation has stayed above the Federal Reserve 2% target for 35 consecutive months. Average hourly earnings for all employees dropped 2.5% in December. And despite nominal salary increases at their fastest pace in years, American workers are now worse off 
than when this guy entered the White House. Now you knew all that. Well, it didn't take him long. The warning just came out yesterday. The United States and British militaries bombed more than a dozen sites used by the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen on Thursday in a massive retaliatory strike against warship and submarine-launched Tomahawk missiles and fighter jets and... Whoa... The U.S. Air Force Mideast Command said it struck over 60 different targets, 16 sites in Yemen, including command and control nodes, munition depots, launching systems, production facilities, and air defense radar systems. What do these people think? They're actually going to beat the major powers in the world somehow? They'll just get blown off the map. Fake President Joe Biden said the strikes were meant to demonstrate that the U.S. and its allies will not tolerate the militant group's ceaseless attacks there in the Red Sea. Well, I like that part. One of the few things you've said, Joe, I like. And he said they only made the move after attempts at diplomatic negotiations and careful deliberation failed. Well, the part of that new America, that flood of evil that you and I, if you're older, do not understand at all. Philadelphia police today said that three females, three girls, repeatedly punched and stomped on a female crossing guard after an argument, and the 29-year-old victim went to the hospital. See, at this point, I think they should have guns, at least stun guns, and maybe something to knock nutcases like this to the ground. Oh, for an hour or so. While the attack took place, police said they released information about the attack, including still images of these people. They said the victim was working as a crossing guard there. Some sort of an argument ensued with the three unknown females. Cops noted that the three females knocked the victim to the ground, punched, stomped, or several. See, if they uh, had a stun gun, they'd be laying there when the cops came, shaking and all that kind of stuff. How did we get here? So from a 29-year-old to a 65-year-old. Cell phone video caught a female student beating up a 65-year-old St. Louis high school teacher in a hallway while a crowd circled up around the pair hooting and hollering and having a great time. Video shows the student dragging the female science teacher on the floor at Normandy High School, adding that the teacher appeared to be trying to restrain the student as the student kicked and then punched her. According to the local television station there, the teacher's significant other said the teacher told police the student left class and returned to get her book bag, but when the teacher told the student to wait, the student punched past the teacher, grabbed her book bag, attacked the teacher, and la-da-da-da-da-da. The teacher banged up pretty bad. Just insane. Anti-Semitism continues to spread. Several Jewish students at Harvard University were number one. They sued the school, you know, arguing that it didn't do enough to punish anti-Semitic protesters and the faculty. And most normal people would agree with that. Well, by now, we know that Trump does his own thing no matter what. After Judge Arthur Egron reconsidered allowing the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, to speak during closing arguments at his, well, his civil fraud trial in New York, Trump launched into a five-minute monologue claiming his company's financial statements were perfect, that the trial was a political witch hunt, even attacked the judge, and yeah, it's unbelievable sometimes, isn't it? A day after Amazon laid off hundreds of people in its streaming divisions, Google cut about uh, a thousand people across its assistant and core engineering teams yesterday. The company has also reported removing 17 underutilized features 
from its voice-activated Google Assistant software. Hey, want to buy a car instead of just renting the thing? Hertz is wondering if you'd be down to just oh, buy that Tesla that you rented there. The rental car company said yesterday it's selling 20,000 electric vehicles from its United States electric vehicle fleet of around 50,000 cars or vehicles and going to use some of that money <laughs> to buy all those old-fashioned gas-powered cars. Of course they are. Hey, what do you know about booze? <laughs> Very little having been saved 50 years. When you think of words high noons, do you see Gary Cooper? That's that's what I do, that oldster here, winning a gunfight in the Wild West? Well, for many people, it's high noon the drink. The ready-to-drink hard seltzer brand, now number one drink in America. Booze sold 21.4 million cases last year, up 30%, and well ahead of everything else. High noon. Okay. You know, many things in life, everyday living, compares with Christian living. Seriously. I think of uh, Nick Saban, Alabama's coach that uh, just retired, perhaps the greatest college coach ever. At 72, he called it quits. And some thoughts on him from others. One sports reporter said, I felt like he got a great deal of satisfaction out of coaching this year's team. There have been times at Alabama, because of the dynasty, which I believe to be the greatest in the history of the sport, I think it's been frustrating to Nick Saban because people become complacent. Well, that's the story often of a pastor. They take things for granted because they operate like regular human beings. Nick Saban didn't go along with that. You know, he, in terms of being continually driven, continually in the moment, never being complacent, that was Nick Saban. People around him were. So I believe this team this year, because it had a lot of room to grow, was very satisfying for him to coach. And I certainly believe it was one of the best coaching jobs to take this team, make them the SEC champion, get them to the playoffs, to be a player or two away from getting it all. Yeah, sounds like the church. Hey, how's the weather? Your neck of the woods. We're getting a storm here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, these are truly polarizing times. There's a cold snap. Going to freeze much of the country. We're close to Chicago here. Forecast is shivering, minus 10 degrees on Monday. Anyone going to go to the Chiefs-Dolphins game tomorrow in Kansas City? Keep in mind, lots of layers, they say. Wind chill factor, 24 below zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd find me there, all right. If you're thinking, no way Miami can handle that, you'd be correct. The Dolphins have lost 10 straight games when the temperature at kickoff is below 40. <laughs> okay. More speaking of football. Oh, they were so yesterday. Talking about Bill Belichick there and his former co-worker, Nick Saban, announced that he was leaving the University of Alabama after 17 seasons, leading the tide, while longtime Seattle coach Pete Carroll is out after 14 years there in the Emerald City of Seattle. All three of these guys among the 10 highest paid coaches in U.S. sports history. And finally, who said that? Helping the enemy used to be called treason. Now they call it foreign aid. Well, here's a message should be preached everywhere. A nation dies. It dies when its people are taught to hate their own history, their heritage, their culture, and finally each other. And this is well said. I feel bad for moms and dads nowadays. 
you have to explain the birds and the bees and the bees and the bees and the birds and the birds and the birds that used to be bees and the bees that used to be birds and the birds that look like bees and the bees that look like birds, but they still have that stinger. Where is my Bible? Life 101, next. Well, we're excited here at Greg Pad Ministries, making our plans and getting things ready to go to Tennessee for Sherathon 2024. At WHCB 91.5, I get together with my friends, my buddy, Dr. Ken Hill, Matthew Hill, Mike, Cody, Jessica. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Mark your calendar. All starts on Wednesday, February the 28th, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'm excited. It's a battery charger for me. The Sunday before, we're going to be in Elizabethan, Tennessee, First Free Will Baptist Church, Nathan Jennings, Grady Holder. Grady said, we'll leave the evening open of some other church once you preach. Otherwise, you can be with us all day. Thanks so much for being a part of Hello World at Greg Patton Ministries. I look forward to seeing you in person in just a few short weeks. Well, the question or one similar to it comes up every now and then. What is your legacy? What does that mean? The long-lasting impact of a particular event or action took place in, the, in a person's life for Christianity, for your walk with God. What will be your legacy? A legacy is a positive impact that one leaves behind on the world. And we, the motivational speaker and uh, Christian Jim Rohn said it. All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a level that we can only imagine. When we leave our legacies behind, we are merely sowing seeds of greatness for the next generation to reap through inspiration we provide and through the doors that we open for them. And the question continues then, you, my Christian friend, what is the legacy you are leaving behind? I've talked on Hello World before about cultivating a sincere heart to make a difference. What is your desire in this old world? What do you do in your community? What do you do through your local church to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Hey, do you know what talents you have? Without a doubt, Christian, you have to know that you have talent. You certainly do. No matter who you are listening, you have talent, my friend, and you need to use that because when our talents are magnified, then our legacies are maximized. And you're not doing any of this for yourself. It's all for the honor and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pick up there then, talking about working within your own circle of influence on this legacy thing. Many people do not fulfill their legacy potential because they think they don't have the right platform to make a difference in the world today. Instead of waiting for the perfect opportunity or the perfect break to come along, do this. Just work with what you have within your circle of influence. That's pretty simple, isn't it? After the rock group, the Beatles, remember? Oh, of course you do. They were rejected by numerous recording companies. Did you know that? They had no choice but to play in local pubs, and they worked hard with whatever opportunity that came their way, and they performed about 270 nights in just over a year and a half. And by the time they had their first break in 1964, was that the year they appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show? Anyway, they had performed live an estimated 12,000 times. Hard work there paid off. History records them as one of the most influential music groups of all time. Their legacy rings strong even today. Now, think big, 
Start small and build deep. That's what you and I need to do. I don't care how old you are. If you're listening today, think big, start small, build deep. You might be amazed what doors will open when we launch in faith and stay faithful and work very hard. And I said this way back when I was working in, 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 I was making little or nothing. Started at WADM in Decatur, Indiana, little town, and went on to do television and television talk shows. And, well, we've been heard around the country. Don't do this thing, whatever it is, for money. Great legacies are often birthed from a motivation to achieve significance. People achieve great things because they want to make a difference in the world today. Those whose sole purpose it is to make money seldom make any impact in the lives of other people. Success may be attained, but significance and legacy not going to be there. When businesses have a compelling reason for their existence that goes beyond making profits, then it operates in a totally different atmosphere. You find employees who are motivated in their work because they believe their organization is making an impact in society. You believe that about your church, don't you? In many situations, when they get their motives right, the money follows. Leaving a legacy, making an impact for the present and for the future. We're going to pick this all up tomorrow from Esther chapter 4. You might want to read that. The first eight verses in Leaving a Legacy and the Key Players. We'll talk about them. You need to be a key player in your community, in your church. All of this as we talk about this new year. Hey, do you want to make an impact? I don't know about you, but I am ready and willing to see what God has for me this year. How about you? Something special, I believe. I want to shake off those things that have hindered me and my family and my church and my country. I want to see some things happen. Whatever needs to happen, Lord, then let it happen in Greg Patton's life. Now, everybody can say that today. You know, I think back to Ira Pope. Who? Ira Pope. Good old Southern boy from Tennessee. Came one of my favorite people in our church and the head deacon at Roanoke Baptist, where I attended and was staff evangelist for so many years. He was just one of so many people that have shaped my life. Some of them I've never personally met, but one day I'm going to see him on the other side. Ira Pope, an engineer, made a lot of money, never missed church, never missed a work day. Oh, what an example. I think about him almost first when I think about Christians today. The people, according to Hebrews chapter 12, those people are my cloud of witnesses waiting for me to get there. There are people who mentor you and those that you're going to mentor. Those people who have made an impact in your life and those whom God has placed in your past so you can make an impact in the lives of others. Isn't that what it's all about? Pay it forward. What legacy? are you going to leave behind there in your community once the Lord takes you home? I believe before we can disciple others, we have to be a disciple of the Lord. And as the Lord has invested in us, then we, yeah, naturally invest in others. We can't take anything to heaven with us, but we can send some things ahead, right? I believe that we must be intentional in allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to disciple us and all that's involved in that process. And I believe then as a true believer, we have a responsibility to disciple and invest in the lives of other people all around you. You agree with that? We're not saved to strictly move from earth to heaven. We're to make an impact and share the responsibility of evangelizing the world, those all around us. In the book of Esther, I want to show you what a legacy looks like and what taking advantage of where the Lord has you to make an impact today. So how does this all tie in here in the book of Esther chapter 4? King Xerxes 
had a queen who disrespected him in front of all of his leaders, and he felt that if he did nothing about it, more women would do that, and he was advised to cast her out of the kingdom and take her crown. He was told to look for a new queen from his large kingdom, and all the eligible virgins were invited to come to the king for a beauty pageant. The main characters are King Xerxes, his dethroned queen Vishida, Mordecai, all that name you know, his cousin Hadassah, also known as Esther, and the king's henchman Haman. Esther was coached into participating by her cousin Mordecai. He also told her not to let the king know that she was Jewish. Esther found favor with the king and was appointed queen after some real drama. Mordecai, standing outside the gate one day, heard that there was going to be an assassination of the king, and he warned the king through Esther. The king wanted to honor Mordecai, and he asked Haman how he would honor a hero. Haman thought, hey, the king's talking about me. Oh, okay, so the king should parade the hero through the city on a beautiful horse and have everyone bow down as second in command. So the king brings Mordecai in and tells Haman, these are the things you want to do for Mordecai. You can imagine the rage that was in Haman's heart as he was having to do for someone else what he thought was going to be done for him. Haman not only wanted to kill Mordecai, he wanted to kill all the Jews. He deceived the king into making some crazy decrees that would accomplish this task. And Mordecai finds out the plot and goes to prayer, and then what? Well, if you read Esther chapter 4, 1 through 8, you'll understand leaving a legacy is to get involved in people's lives. Mordecai could have said nothing. I don't want to get involved. How many people do you know like this? If he would not have gotten involved, then he would never have found out that this whole Jewish race was threatened by Haman. Mordecai was willing to share his blessings and his resources for a cause that was very important to him. Mordecai was a mentor, and he allowed others to mentor him. Got it? Mordecai not only reflected on what was important, he responded to what was important. There's the difference. There's the difference makers, those who reflect and respond. This is so critical, my friend. Do you do that? That's a legacy lever. Are you one of those? You'll see lives changed when you move to this level. Every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ is to be called to caring for people's souls, to take them from the flames of hell, to disciple them once they've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You're just not here existing, going to church, waiting to die. Every Christian is called to do the work of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4.5. I tell my church constantly, every member is a minister. We are not all called to preach, understand that, not all called to teach. But we are all called to go into this world and reach the lost and leave a legacy that points people to Jesus Christ. Doesn't get any better than that. And finally, a dietitian addressing a large group in Chicago, talking about the terrible things we put into our stomach. Should have killed us years ago. Red meat, soft drinks, Chinese food, all of it. Vegetables can even be dangerous, but there's one thing that is the most dangerous of all. All that we have or all that we will ever eat. Can anyone in this audience tell me what food causes the most grief and suffering for years after eating it? An old gentleman, 75 years of age, stood up in the front row and said, yep, it's the wedding cake. 
<laughs> okay. Well, that's it uh, for another. I've had my say. For another day. Well, another week, actually. It is Friday. Sundays are coming. Thank you for joining me on Facebook, Greg Jerry G. Patton, P A T T E. It's wonderful to be with you each day at this time. And that's the way it is Friday, January the 12th, 2024. Have a great weekend. Be back on Monday, okay? God bless. <laughs>